Hello there and welcome to Bringing Out Their Best, the podcast for teachers of dance, drama and music. My name is Sarah Marshall from Performing Arts PD. Each week I will bring you a snippet of research or an interview with another performing arts educator to energise and inspire you for your working week. I'd like to begin by acknowledging the Darug people, the traditional custodians of the land on which I live and work. I pay my respects to their elders, past and present. How to teach pop when you've only ever known classical? There's an increasing pressure on music programs to include popular music genres. However, arguably, the biggest stumbling block to this is us, the teachers. Sadly, most of us studied classical genres in our school and university life, and many of us continue to pursue these genres in our leisure time. It therefore comes naturally to us to run music ensembles based on our own experiences, but we are less likely to encourage and foster ensembles that take us out of our sphere of comfort. Yet whilst the ensemble programs we run are certainly valuable, they are often taken up by the most privileged students. Whilst popular music education advocates seek to create a broader audience and include marginalised perspectives. So what are the differences aside from popular music being more popular? There is actually a major difference in the way popular music is taught. Its pedagogy is far more informal. If we define formal pedagogy as being orientated around the goal of transmission of musical knowledge, whilst informal pedagogy has the goal of authentic reproduction of musical practice. As a classical musician, I think I take umbrage with some of this thought, but I'll put that aside for now. There are five components of informal music learning. One, the importance of musical choice. Two, copying recordings by ear. Three, integration of creative processes, including listening, performing, improvising and composing. Four, a spontaneous, unstructured approach. And five, watching and imitating others. Okay, now I see some clear differences. They argue that traditional models of music education are teacher-centred, where the teacher predetermines goals, precision, uniform outcomes, rigour, and teaching control at the potential cost of student-centred, hospitable, and inclusive practices. So how do we as classical teachers who have only ever really engaged in classical music teach popular music well? Well, like all things in life, we are going to be better at teaching it if we first have a handle on how to do it ourselves. So this study took a group of pre-service classically trained music teachers and asked them to run a popular music ensemble program in primary school for 15 weeks. At the same time, they spent two and a half hours each week broken up into fundamental skills on guitar, bass, drum set, ukulele and voice, culminating each week in having learnt a new song. There was then a discussion of content and strategies for teaching it, including applications for technology, and finally a jam session where all participants were divided into band groupings and were left to set their own goals and musical challenges, but were ultimately working towards an end-of-subject performance. Teachers were not allowed to use traditional music scoring, but instead tablature and other non-traditional forms of notation, their oral skills and trial and error. 
Many in this study were terrified of this prospect that they would be bad at it, wouldn't understand it and wouldn't like the music they produced. However, for most participants, the musical challenge and teamwork developed into enjoyment. And while scary, moving away from a structured lesson plan, they grew in confidence and were motivated by the response in the kids. Many teachers also reported their perceptions and values they ascribed to popular music change. Before this class, I didn't really think learning popular music and stuff was true musicianship, or I just thought it was less than a traditional ensemble type of thing. But this class has been really exciting, because I don't believe that anymore. What was also interesting to me was the way it altered some students' perceptions on the way classical music could be taught. It opened my eyes to new ways of learning musical concepts that doesn't have to be in the traditional way, and if you can reach more students who may not be interested in traditional ensembles, making a musical impact in as many lives as possible should be the goal of any educator. And then, from the perspective of the 10-year-olds, the informal learning practices and low-pressure environment worked well for them. My friend, she didn't want to join the ukulele program, but her mum signed her up and now she likes it a lot. Now she loves it and she's so excited. I really like to sing and since we perform sometimes, they make me feel very comfortable to sing and play. Even when I make mistakes on ukulele, it makes me feel like it's fine. So whilst they might be running these programs with younger teachers, what about us, the dinosaurs in the classrooms who missed out on these opportunities? Well, I think we all have the ability to learn a new instrument. In fact, we are uniquely wired for the task. So why not ask for a ukulele for your next birthday? Perhaps perform a band with your colleagues and start jamming yourselves as a way to grow in confidence and competence and most of all, become increasingly relevant and bring your musical example to a more inclusive variety of students. My name is Sarah Marshall. I hope you have a fantastic week bringing out their best. Finally, I'd like to share some exciting news with you. Our course, Managing Performance Anxiety for Student Wellbeing, has become accredited PD by NESA. So, if you're a performing arts teacher in New South Wales, looking for some accredited PD hours that are relevant to your performance space, take a look. My name is Sarah Marshall. Thanks for listening today. I hope you have a fantastic week bringing out their best.